for news across the state and the nation. This is Patriots Voice of Michigan with your hosts, Brian Meduzin and Dave Ajima. Hello, Patriots out there. We're back behind the mic after a little vacay. What's going on, Dave? We've been in the world of crazy politics. Well, it's getting good. We finally have ourselves a chair in Kent County after oh. about three months of finagling, and his name is John Shout. So that was all done last night through all kinds of uh, finagling, as you can imagine. And we managed to get our vice chair as well. And uh, my wife got on the executive committee. Oh, wow. Uh, with a 100 percent unanimity. Nice. So we're both on the executive committee now. So. Are you, anyway, here are we you, have a guest here today. Yes, we do. So it's none other than the former Ottawa County GOP chair, now currently serving as the chief of staff for Christina Crammel, Joel Studebaker. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Dave. Great to be with you guys today. So I wanted yeah, to yeah. Good here. I wanted to bring you on just uh, in the state of GOP and how it's just seems like there's never-ending stories on stuff against what Crown was trying to do, and obviously Mackinac just happened. Um, you can mm-hmm. read Detroit Free Press coming out, yep. uh, minimal showings, this and that, and the other thing just kind of burying burying us in the ground. So as as the chief of staff from your position, um, and you probably can even go back to the beginning on when you decided to help Christina, just kind of give your background a little bit on why you chose to be able to do that and then the affairs leading up to where we are currently. Sure, sure. Well, for me, uh, as you mentioned, I was the chair of Ottawa, uh, depending on which election you count for one or two months. Right. Uh, there was a redo and a lawsuit, and you, you were part of that, Brian. Yep. So when Christina won on February 18, which was a, a long day, and a lot of, uh, you know, indications that she wasn't going to win. And then it seemed almost like it was uh, not quite miraculous, but close to it. Sure. And she pulled it out in the end with not a very close margin, 57 to 43%. And then two days later, uh, I received a call, uh, would you be willing to be a part of the team? And I initially basically said, no, I just became the chair in Ottawa, and I need to stick to my commitments. So... That said, uh, more conversations, had more discussions, and uh, as you probably remember, we ended up in a meeting in a home in Ottawa County with uh, a bunch of the members of our executive committee talking and praying about the, the, the decision, and there was widespread, not unanimous, but widespread support that said, Joel, you got to go do this. And so with more discussion with my wife, more prayer, I, I agreed um, I think they originally asked me to be the uh, finance director, then it went to executive director, then it went to chief of staff. As, Of course, Christina needed to figure out what does this initial team look like because, in case anybody doesn't know, the entire previous administration quit basically the weekend that she won, and she had to build from scratch that new team. So in building the new team, you know, I, I think I joined officially sometime in the middle of March, uh, a few weeks after she was elected, and it's it's been a wild ride. Uh, we've gone through uh, a lot of turmoil on the state committee, a lot of learning in terms of how to build a, uh, a, a an administration. Um, you know, a lot of learning in terms of how to engage between the administration and the state committee. 
Uh, certainly there are a lot of detractors. There are a lot of complaints. And, you know, I'll just say something that, that I even said to someone uh, yesterday. And you've probably heard me say it before. Brian has probably said it a million times. I have all day to engage and help with people who come to me and say, I don't like what you're doing, or can you think about this differently? But then they have a solution to offer or, or an idea. Those people I love because not, n- not any one of us can have all of the answers. Sure. But the ones that come with effectively whining and complaining, and then, well, what's your solution? What's your idea? They don't have one. It, you know, we can't play whack-a-mole all day long with those things. And whether they have good intentions or nefarious intentions or something else, you know, we can question motives all day. We know that those people exist on both sides. But you run out of time. That's the one resource we all have the same amount of is time. And exactly. I, I need to spend my time. Christina needs to spend her time as well as the rest of our team with those who offer ideas and solutions. And that's in some ways can probably sum up, you know, a, a huge pile of learning <laughs> that we've yeah. had to go through. What about the, um, so you talk about, um, difficulties in the beginning. Um, tell us a bit how difficult it was to actually find the right people to kind of get into positions to actually, um, do what you guys set out to do for the party. Sure. Well, it, it was very difficult, and I think a lot of that was because, as you know, uh, across the state, patriots have risen up, become delegates. I'm one of yeah. them, brand new delegate last year, have risen up, become delegates, and, and wanted to uh, be a part of what's going on. And, and you know, instead of doing what a lot of us did, which was live our personal lives, do research, vote, all the things that we felt where we, we were constitutionally uh, obligated and... and privileged to do, uh, that clearly wasn't enough and we needed to get involved. And in that, I think a lot of the, of the, the strong patriots, uh, who, who grasped what was going on pretty quickly and learned things like Robert's rules and how to operate in a meeting and all the other things that come along with this crazy political world, they got engaged at the local level and were involved in their counties. And so that comes first because those elections happen in November, December. Then you have district and the state level that comes up behind that. And we're trying to find, you know, good people to step up to those levels. And a lot of those good people were already engaged. A lot of, you know, good, strong patriots. So, you know, in some ways you feel guilty uh, pulling someone from a county. And we it, it's taken time. It's It's taken a lot of time. You know, one example even... We had a lot of, of challenges with this Mackinac conference that just happened this weekend in terms of resources. And it was kind of like the Calvary arrived about two weeks ago. And we had some, some folks like Phil O'Halloran and Lori Skibo and Deb Ross and, and some others that really stepped up. And without them, Mackinac wouldn't have been the success it was by any stretch of the imagination. And, and then there's some of us that were in it longer. And all of those people were, were needed. But that's another example of, you know, in many ways, God simply has been delivering the people at just the right time where mm-hmm. it seems like the only 
option is that he gets the glory. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the way it usually goes, Joel. Yeah. It's never early. It's just barely on time. Yeah. I got a question yeah. for you. Same thing we had happen, uh, you had happen in Lansing. People probably don't know that. But, uh, for example, at Kent County here, uh, we lost our building, and they wanted like $12,000 a month or whatever it was, crazy amount. So obviously we said, no, we're not going to do that. You lost your building in Lansing as well because the establishment uh, wanted you to pay very high rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would suspect the biggest issue is going to be, since the uh, establishment people, often most of them have a lot of money, they go home with their baseball and their bat, and they don't donate. So it's imperative for people that are listening to this, please donate, because if you don't, you're going to have those same uh, rhino Republicans running this party once again. And Karamo is not a rhino. They can call her all she wants to do. She's a good woman. She does a good job. And if she speaks, you hear her speak, you're going to know that that woman is right on. So, and another point I wanted to bring up, when you talked about some of the issues that you had and you had to solve, being a military officer, I always learned and I, I was taught, never come to your boss with a problem unless you have some kind of solution to that problem. And uh, what we found is we had a lot of people in Kent County that came up with all kinds of problems. They didn't have any solutions, but they just had all problems they wanted to cause to make sure nothing could occur. And then some of the people thought they were actually working for the good guys, and they were obviously working for the bad guys. So I just applaud you for what you're doing, Joel. Keep it up. But uh, how do you see raising money? That's the question I have. Yeah, that's your your spot on in your assessment. So the... You know, if you go back to the beginning, the day that Christina won, uh, actually the day before she won, they made some transfers of about $1.9 million, and they did two steps from the federal to the state account and then from the state account to a line of credit, which had $2.4 million on it. They paid off all but $460,000, uh, the previous administration. And what that, what that did, number one, when the, the first filing that occurred was an FEC report, which is at the federal level, and all that showed was the first transaction and only one side of it, which is $1.9 million leaving the federal account. And so there was, of course, a bunch of naysayers saying, you know, Christina lost $1.9 million because of course. that's not the full scope of the financials, uh, which, by the way, also included an administration account, which isn't involved in this discussion, but which is required for a comprehensive understanding of the, the party from a financial position uh, because the administrative account is not reported in either federal or state level reporting. So there's always these, you know, different levels of, of, um, f- of transactions that people utilize to, you know, manipulate basically the, the narrative. So that being said, uh, you are absolutely correct. The, the party really was run on... HRCC and NRCC money primarily, as well as uh, donations from the millionaire billionaire class uh, to the tune of somewhere between 15 and 25 families at most in any given year in the, in the past four or five years that I have assessed. And of course, that money is not here this year. Now, I helped Christina build her financial plan during her chair campaign which the, the, the basic concept of that was, in a perfect world, this party would be run by, you know, you can change the numbers however you want, but a great example would be 100,000 people giving $25 a month, 15 of that to the local party, 10 to the state party. 
And if you think from the state party position, 100,000 people, 10 bucks, that's a million dollars a month. That is, that's what the previous administration was running on. So how do you get there? And the next step that we talked about uh, during planning uh, what her, her financial plan would be was that the lowest hanging fruit is the small business owner, the small business leader. And the reason is because they benefit the most and have the most skin in the game on what you, know, you might call Republican or what probably a lot of us would simply state our constitutional principles with no mandates, um, you know, low uh, uh, requirements from a, a governmental perspective, um, and low taxes, of course. So that's, you know, that was kind of the audience at a, at a big picture. Uh, and then how do you, you know, what's the actual tactics? You know, what, what are the plans to get there? And, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, we're behind on that. And the reason is because we've been punched in the mouth quite a few times and, and fighting a lot of battles along the way. Um, and, and, you know, are a few of them at our own, to, to our own, uh, to be blamed on us? Uh, yeah, to some degree. I mean, in, in a sense that there's just been so much to learn, again, going back to building the team and everything else that's involved. Um, we've, we've definitely made some mistakes that have cost us some time, and, and we can admit that and, and discuss that. But you better believe that there's been a huge dose of attempts from whether it's within or, or outside of the party to to delay and detract and, um, you know, just cause us to get our eye off the ball. And it's, a again, a constant learning process of how do we maintain focus. And, you know, when we if I look back, uh, the thing that we want to move forward with and that we've learned um, from mistakes from time gone by here in the last seven months or so is that we really have to, especially with Mackinac out of the way, because that's, that took all of our time for the last two months. But with, with, with moving forward, we have to have a, you know, kind of like your three-point sermon, a mission that is three key things, and that is to focus on how do we do the best of our ability deal with the election corruption in our state? How do we get the local level uh, integrated along with us at the state level where we're really providing the resources, but your, your army is at the local level, um, which we have rolled out the Good Neighbor Program a couple months ago, and you know, that we're working on that uh, taking, you know, kind of sprouting and, and becoming something larger. And then the third thing is, doing exactly what Mackinac was designed to do with our theme, with a lot of the speakers we had, but you know, beyond that, with marketing, branding, uh, online and beyond, is reminding everyone that we are the party of the Constitution and that we exist uh, to bring our nation, our state, our, our local uh, level government back to the country that our founding fathers built. And that's what our party is about. And so if we do those three things, then we can walk into, uh, you know, there are still some large donors that are patriots, and we've met with them, and we will meet with them some more. And the, the difference between maybe the previous donors and the large dollar patriot donors is that they want, it, it's, it's like, I always uh, compare it to being on the show Shark Tank. You better have a business plan. You better have something that effectively... Uh, you, you have a, a, uh, something to sell, a product, 
that they want to invest in. And in this case, it's, you know, it's not a trinket that you can sell. This is the, the life or death of our state. And they want to be convinced, and that takes time. But the long, so that's, and, and we need to do some of that, especially for the short term, to, to bring money in. But long term, we want to use the Good Neighbor Program. We want to use the engagement at the local level across the state. And we want to build a, a network of people across the state that understand what is the party bringing to the table, what, are, what is the value in the party being successful. And that looks like, uh, you know, at the end of the day, integrating the ask, which is, can you donate 10, 15, 25 dollars a month? And for some people, maybe even 30 or 50. But can you donate that small amount, put it on auto pay, and trust us that we are out to, to accomplish those three things that I just mentioned are our mission? And that's, that's where we're headed. It takes time. Um, but actually, a lot of groundwork has been laid in the last seven months, and it's, it's on us to continue to pray first, uh, use the brains that God has given us, and as a team, work together and figure out how to get our message out, despite, you know, the fact that so the liberal social media doesn't want our message out. Uh, certainly the, the uh, standard media w- would not want our message out as well. So it's, it takes more time because it's literally word of mouth, conversations through the local GOPs, uh, the county GOPs, and getting to the citizens of our state. Because I do believe that we are actually a red state. I believe that the vast majority of our state wants constitutional principles. And if they understand and grasp the message that the, the party, as well as some other really good uh, entities that are working alongside of us, uh, that d- donating 10 to 15 to 25 or, or whatever dollars a month uh, for a large number of people is achievable. It, it's going to take more time, and it's it's going to take some momentum to get there. Yeah, Joel, uh, one thing I think uh, what the Democrats are going to do, they're going to do it nationally and in our state, they're going to push the abortion issue till the end of time. Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to try to run because uh, Bidenomics hasn't worked. Right. So, uh, but I think a lot of people got to know and they don't know what has caused all this inflation is ca- caused by spending too many dollars chasing a, a, mm-hmm. know, a certain amount of goods and services. But I think uh, uh, people are pretty ticked off right now about the cost of inflation, uh, cost of their gasoline. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to see spending cuts in the government. They don't want to be taxed anymore. They don't want the illegals coming here anymore because even cities like New York now, uh, they're calling in the National Guard because they're having a worse, worsening illegal immigration problem. It was okay when Texas and, and New Mexico and all those had the problem, but uh, now that they got the problem, thank God for uh, Abbott and DeSantis, uh, they're realizing this isn't such a good deal. And that was all brought to us by Biden. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, I honestly think that our, our illegal immigration, inflation, the cost of government, the, the massive amount of spending, even the budget we just passed here in the state of Michigan was passed by all the Democrats and a few rhino Republicans. Who are they? They should be uh, primary. Mm-hmm. They should have never voted for an $82 billion budget. Never. Right. So to follow up then, Joel, with what you were talking about going forward, 
and especially with not necessarily just the fundraising, but the in-party fighting that's going on. Mm-hmm. How do you see this going into 2024 election year? And we got to win Michigan. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, I, I believe if we don't win Michigan, the country's gone. Right. I think it's going to be that crucial. I would agree. Um, obviously, the five swing states are at the forefront. You know, that's what people are watching. Mm-hmm. Some say six with Nevada, but Nevada has Democratic leadership. So I think realistically, it's Arizona, Wisconsin, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and us here in Michigan. And to varying degrees, you know, when I can look peek up above Michigan where I spend all my time, uh, I, what I see is some signs of hope in uh, Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin. And I see at least, you know, with Prop 2 in our state and a a severe lack of activity in Pennsylvania, that Pennsylvania and Michigan are very behind. That's my personal assessment, Um, especially on the election corruption issue. Um, Within Michigan, and specifically within the party, when you look at, you know, your question on the infighting, the, again, the distraction, what, what I've been encouraging Christina and the rest of our team is from a leadership perspective, we, we had an interesting, uh, I'll use Ottawa, uh, with our experience in Ottawa for a minute. We had an interesting environment with our numbers because when I would stand up in front for a couple of our, our conventions, you know, we had votes that looked something like 80 to 20, 85 to 15%. Yep. And so it was very significantly... Um, slanted to one side. It, it wasn't, the, the votes were not close. And therefore, you know, yes, some people were frustrated. And, and some of those are good people that just have a lot of tradition under their belts that a lot of us don't have. And so we come at things with a different uh, approach or perspective. And and we, we need some of that experience. I, I have no problem with, you know, the fact that we need some experience. We need to engage that experience. The state committee, when I watch, uh, because I don't have a vote as chief of staff, I'm not actually on state committee. So when I observe the meetings, and we've definitely had some contentious meetings, the actual numbers are maybe not quite 85-15, but they're 70-30, 75-25. And it's, but the, the minority is very loud, very loud in, at the state committee level. And that's something that I've encouraged our team to say, look, not that we're to ignore them mm-hmm. or say that they don't matter. They absolutely mm-hmm. matter. We, we, everybody's voice deserves to be heard. That's how Robert's Rules is designed. But at the end of the day, the one that articulates their message clearly, that has a message, hopefully that aligns with constitutional conservatism, and that has the votes, is the one that wins on that specific motion. And as a party, how do we move forward? I think a lot of, you know, we're getting a lot of feedback from this weekend from Mackinac. A lot of really good feedback. Uh, you know, there, there's a quote, actually, I'll pull up, you know, while we're talking here. But, you know, a lot of good feedback from some people who have been to this conference many times and from some people that are brand new to it. And, um, you know, I, I think that at the end of the day, and I'm struggling finding it here, but <laughs> um, at the end of the day, we 
we have to figure, we have to continue to develop the relationship that frankly has never existed before. And that is how do we blend in the administration with the state committee and not have in some cases what seems to be a, a little bit of a battle. And there's those that are on state committee that, you know, what's the number one thing they always uh, complain about? Lack of transparency. Right. Mostly financial, sometimes other things, mm -hmm. but lack of transparency. And, you know, there's, there's something to that. There's, there's definitely been times where uh, the information shared a little bit differently. Um, something, you know, better displayed in terms of a financial, you know, breakdown on a screen mm -hmm. or something like that would definitely have helped. There's no doubt, you know, and, and it's a learning curve. Right. Everyone's learning. Everyone's new um, to, to a lot of this. Not everyone, but most people are. And so we're, we're getting better at that. But to me, it's we we're we're figuring out and and needing to take a little bit of a reset, probably in terms of looking at. All right. You're on budget committee. Dan Bonham yep. the the chair. We talk often. I talk to Dan quite a bit. And so we have that relationship. But that's he, Dan's one person. You're you're one person. There's, you know, 91 elected, 107 that vote in total on that committee. How does everyone who at least wants to get that seat at the table, get to be in, you know, get in some of those conversations and whether it's whether it's financial or issues or policy or whatever it might be, um, how do we develop something where this is really a 110 to 130 person team, which is difficult. That's a large team. Yeah. Versus, if you look at previous administrations, you know I wasn't there, but I'm basing it on what I've been told that it was more like five to ten people, and it was the administration and the the committee really didn't at the end of the day have a lot of say in the matter, um, whatever the matter was. Right. And so there's, there's some development to be done there, I, I, I believe. Well, and, Joel, yeah. the uh, establishment never goes down without a fight. Uh, I know that. I've learned that from the time when I was at the RNC, whether I was a committee man here in the state and so forth. They're never going to go down without a fight. Trouble is you're fighting the establishment, some of them, you're fighting the Dems as well. So mm -hmm. the Dems are happy that you're getting hammered by the establishment, and the establishment's happy you're getting hammered by the Dems. So uh, they're not all bad, but some of them are. They will do anything to try to wrestle that power back. But you're right about transparency. But people got out there got to understand uh, it's not the state committee or your, your Kent County or Ottawa County people that are the least transparent. Our legislature is rock bottom, the very bottom of transparency in all the other states. Mm -hmm. You cannot, when I was a state rep, you cannot FOIA me. You can't do it. I just look at you and say, no, you can't FOIA me. I ain't going to do it. So our state is the worst in the legislature for transparency, especially now with the budgets that they passed. Mm -hmm. And I would hope that, uh, uh, I think the thing you got to get out to the people, and you know as well as I do, you got to donate. Try to donate to the people you like in the state committee as well. Knock on doors for the people you like. Put signs up for the people you like. Help, help get those signs out. And just like uh, Brian said earlier, we must win this next election. We cannot take another $2 trillion of expenditures, which puts us right now at $7 trillion in the United States uh, in the hole. We're just basically telling our grandkids, you're going to pay taxes up to wazoo 
for the rest of your life. We're, we're spending their future. Uh, and I think people have got to hear that. And they don't understand. The average Joe Blow out there doesn't understand how inflation happens, I don't think. They just think, man, everything's higher. I need a tax. I need a, not a tax, but I need a tax break and I need more pay. That's why you got everybody uh, trying to go ahead and uh, get more pay from their bosses. And that's why you got McDonald's paying 16, 18 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. So I- inflation's bad. That's all That's all caused by the Democrat machine. And the Democrat machine is, and I'm going to say it on the air, they are communists. Mm-hmm. They have accepted the communist platform. We have not. The Republicans have not. Look at our platform, folks. Read it. Mm-hmm. Go read the Democrats. You're going to throw up when you read the Democrat platform. It's a bunch of gobbledygook. And it just accepts everything. It's, and most everything they accept and push is anti-biblical. It's anti-Christian. Mm-hmm. That's what you got to know. That's one area I don't know if you can do it, how you would do it. You got to get the churches involved in this. Uh, you know, they had, what was it, the Brigade of the Pastors when we were when we were uh, fighting the, the Englishmen. They'd give their sermon and they'd take the robe off, grab their musket, and go out and fight. Mm-hmm. We need to get churches involved because they need to know we're dealing with with evil, and it's actually evil within the Democrat Party. You know, the homosexuality, the transgenderism, the wokeism, the SRCRT, all those things are not scriptural principles. And I have a hard time understanding how Christians can be a Democrat. I'm not saying you have to vote for a Republican, but the Democrat Party is terrible when you look at their platform and what they stand for. I don't know. Am I making any sense here or not? You tell problem me is, you Dave, the problem is, is that churches are just as liberal as the world is. So it's hard to, well, they're far and few between the ones that actually preach but the I word. And... Yeah, but when I was in the RNC, we, we got a guy, a special couple of guys that would go around to the churches and they start getting the churches involved. Uh, I think we need to do that in Michigan. I don't know how you do it. I guess it just takes somebody willing to do it, knock on the doors and talk to the pastors. Just have a list. Do you support these things? If you do not, we don't either. Will you help us? We have to get the people involved in the churches to get out and vote, especially if we have those stupid Dominion machines still flipping votes on us on the next election. We just have to have all the votes we can get. Yeah, Dave, I agree with you. I, you know, I've developed a relationship with uh, Pastor Ralph Rebant, who ran for governor, and he, he is actually yeah. out there doing that. He's Good. literally directly trying to work to get pastors and churches involved. I agree with everything else you said. That the Democrats, there's there's no line between them and communism anymore. It, oh, no. it literally looks their platform is is a communist platform. I mean, there's just there's no way around it. If if you look at what they stand for, there's no difference. Um, the the key, in my opinion, is that if we do not deal with election corruption, specifically the QVF, and yes. have clean voter rolls and a clean election process, which we're not going to get, by the way, in Michigan in 2024 in terms of the process because of Prop 2, because of 10 days of in-person voting instead of one, because of you know flooding uh, ballot boxes with absentee ballots that are not proven to be valid. Uh, they're, they're not fully vetted. Uh, those things, we, we have to build a strategy on that, and we are working on that, and we have to do everything that we can and, you know, even if Michigan, for example, were to fall short on the presidential side, if we win, if we do enough to win 
in decent numbers or, or significant numbers at the local, state, and maybe even some, some U.S. Congress or, or Senate levels, um, which that might be difficult. That probably aligns closely with where the president, presidential election goes. But if we, if we win locally and some other states step up a little more than we do, which frankly is, again, what Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia, in my opinion, look to be doing, whether they're fully going to be successful or not is to be determined, then you know, there's the national level, but there's also state and local. And I believe and, and have learned uh, big time in the last year and a half that we, we actually win locally because that, that rises up. And yes, it does. Frankly, how our founding fathers built it, and yep, just I agree. electing a, a great president is a wonderful thing, but that does not cascade down to the degree—not even close to the degree that winning locally cascades or, or rises up. And that so, locally means school boards, and it means your state reps and your state senators and all commissioner your boards and things absolutely. like that. You bet. Yep. You bet. Absolutely. So I, I agree. There's we have to get. From the church, the church house to the schoolhouse to um, the courthouse, we, we have to be engaged, be involved. It, it absolutely starts locally. Um, you know, from a, from a state party perspective, our, our mission, our goal has to be to coordinate with all the counties that are willing to work with us, the county GOPs, to create a united front and focus on, you know, these top two or three things for the next 15 months so that we we can set ourselves up with a chance to win this election. Do you have those two or three things? Do yeah. you have those two or three things or four things or whatever? Yeah, yeah. again, number one, number one is election corruption. Number yep, two. I agree. And number two is local level uh, engagement. So an example of a, a tactic there is the Good Neighbor Program, uh, you know, getting Local, yep, I got that. Yep. Delegates engaged. And then number three is reminding everyone. So we call it branding, rebranding us, the party of the Constitution. And, Boy, and defining but you got to be specific on that, Joel. Yeah. So uh, I, I'll give you a couple of examples. But the general, you know what I'm saying? If you say we're going to rebrand, what does that mean? Uh, and we're going to get down to the local level. Yeah. How are you going to do it? Mm-hmm. And I contend that the way you do it is on issues. Like when I ran for state rep, I ran against nine other people. All of them were very well entrenched in the GOP. I was not. I went down to Kent County and said, what I got to do to run? The guy told me, quit. You can't win. I said, really? So what I did is knocked on doors. And guess what I ran on 2006? Stopping the illegal immigration. I was not going to vote for a budget for raising the tax. Mm-hmm. That's how I won. And I won big. That's what people want to hear. They want to hear specifics. Yeah. We are not going to vote for That's what they want to hear. And it, if you start talking about illegal immigration, you start talking about inflation, you start talking about, here's one for you. Kansas has a Chinese plant. And guess what they had to do? They had to keep open their coal-fired plant that was meant to shut down because it took so much electricity. They didn't have enough electricity on the grid to, to run mm. the, coal, to run the uh, battery plant. <laughs> right. So right. this is... And there, of course, the Chinese are putting up 321, almost one a day of coal-fired electric plants. They're going to have cheap electricity. We're going to have expensive electricity. It's just going to get worse, mm-hmm. especially with electric cars. Well, I'll give you a couple of, uh, of specifics. So I called our, our issues chair, uh, Angela Hall, about a month and a half, two months ago. And, and I said, can I, can I run an idea by you? And I said, we talked about this in Ottawa. We've talked about it at the state level. 
I think the issues committee is the right place for this to kind of live and breathe. I said, would you consider taking the, the latest RNC platform, which in full is really the 2016 platform and the Republican Party platform and boil it down to one to two pages of bullet points and yep. give us something that we can use that says, you know, no, nothing added, nothing subtracted. That needs to come through the, the proper channels. But let's just start from where it sits right now. What does the platform actually say, uh, you know, in in Cliff's notes as opposed to, I believe, it's 67 pages? And they yeah. did that. That was in our, our program. We put it in the program for Mackinac. And but you might want to add a few things to it, too. I mean, sure. bullet points, yeah. Go sure. Ahead. But in, and I'd want to call that out. You know, I want to be very, you know, again, in the spirit of transparency, like here is what the platform says. Here's a couple more things that we as a party in Michigan stand for. Uh, in addition to that national platform. But the platform is actually quite fantastic. It reads very constitutional. The document they put together was very good. Uh, we need to do a little more work to really, again, boil it down to those bullet points, because then I think what we can do is, at, from candidates from the local level all the way to the national level, we can take that th those bullet points. And I don't know that we go as far as a score, because scores you know, can, can draw questions and subjectivity. But it could be something as simple as saying candidate A, B, and C running for this position in the primary, and they get red, yellow, or green on each of the issues, pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, uh, et cetera. And, and they're not going to be quite that simple. It's not just pro-life. Is it, are they pro-life from conception to natural death, or do they have exceptions? Things like that. So some visual representations, because the, the, the citizens, the voters, need to be educated on, you know, from the party, and what does this party stand for? Because all they've really seen, all I really saw before I became a delegate a year and a half ago was, you know, what does the news say? What can I try to glean from the internet? And at the end of the day, you get any name your position, three, four, five people running for it. They all have an R by their name and they all try to sound like whatever they think the majority of the voters are, are going to want, which, which I guess leads me to one more point on this. Uh, I, I ended up talking to uh, Shane Hernandez two days before the convention last August on the phone. And he said, what questions do you have? And I, I only got one question because it took him a while to answer it, but he, he had a very good answer. Uh, I said, Shane, once the primary is over, it seems like, you know, my view and of, of what's portrayed in public is that Republicans tend to dumb down their message and want to cater to the middle. They talk about the independent votes, et cetera. I said, I don't have numbers to back this up, but I have intuition that says we're leaving a lot on the table on the actual constitutional conservative side. People sitting in church every Sunday that look at the Democrat and go, I would never vote for them. And then they look at the Republican and go, not strong enough, weak sauce, whatever. I'm going to stay home. I said, what are we going to do to not lose them and Maybe do we look at a stronger message rather than a weaker one? Because people don't actually gravitate toward the murky middle. They gravitate toward passion. They gravitate toward someone that stands for what they actually believe in. And that doesn't exist in the middle. That's, and I'm not saying you have to be some, you know, insanely all the way out to the right in the sense that the media defines that. I'm saying that we need to stand 100% by the principles of our platform and, as you said, some of the new things especially that have come up 
in the last six, seven years since the platform was, was last edited. And, you know, in that instance, his answer was good. It's not necessarily germane to this. It was just simply that, well, actually the message at this time with schools and, and masks and, and CRT and DEI and, and taxes and inflation, all these things, they happen to align. And whether you're so-called far right or more centrist, the message is the same. Okay, that, that, that was a fine answer for 2022. But I think what would help clarify this is, you know, I, I will go back to having this, uh, th- these bullet points of what do we stand for? What do we believe in? And then just laying them out side by side, two, three, four, five candidates. And here's where these candidates land on these issues, which are the issues that matter to the party. They're what we uh, what, what makes us Republicans, and then let the voter decide. They can look at that, and they can make their decision, and we've educated them, we've given them the tools that they need, but we can't wait until the general to do that. That is a, that is a far greater, um, th- there's a far greater value to that in the primary, and that's going to be a paradigm shift for the party, because how many times have we heard for years and years, our job is to get the Republican elected in the general election? Let the citizens decide in the primary. Well, that is a tactic that uh, the media and the left and the established the establishment that keeps the citizens from from getting engaged. Well, guess what? We're engaged now, and we need to look at primaries. Absolutely, we need to do it the right way. You know, from a state party perspective or even a county party perspective, we need to get engaged uh, at the scope and the level that is appropriate. But we need to educate people on who are the real Republicans. And at the end of the day, I would actually love to see the terms rhino, establishment, uh, grassroots, all these other things go away because we've actually done a good job of defining what a real Republican is. And we're left with two things. You're either a real Republican or you're a fake one. And that's it. Yeah, and we need closed primaries. <laughs> we can't have this. Amen. Can't have de- Democrats voting in Republicans. Amen. Because then you just get a Democrat. Yep. They're, they've been playing this game for a long, long, long time. Well, I think another thing we need to do, too, is they're playing that game of ballot harvesting, and they're going to yes. be allowed to do it again. We need to learn that game. We need a ballot harvesters from the old people's homes, from uh, schools. You need to get in schools and start telling kids uh, – some of the stuff they're being taught about economics and capitalism, like capitalism is bad, communism, socialism is good, is hogwash. But again, how do you do it? That's another question. Well, one point of clarification, Dave. Ballot harvesting is a felony. So we cannot ballot harvest. What we can do is help people get to the vote. Uh, but That's we, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. I just want to, for, for the listeners, yeah. I want to clarify <laughs> that... W- the party definitely will not be advocating for ballot harvesting <laughs> and getting people in jail. No, but the, the Democrats are going to do it again, and they did it last time. We right. know that. The question is, right. how do we catch them? How do we hang them on it? You know, even, and that's the thing, folks. If you're listening out there, we have people in Detroit seeing it happen. Right. They're seeing the truckloads of stuff come in after voting was done, and they figured out how many more votes they needed to have Biden win, and then they ran those through there, and they were supposedly mailed in vote. Uh, votes and they weren't even folded. Some weren't even signed. And what was it, Nestle? Who was mm-hmm. the one that said just count them anyway? I mean, that's criminal. Yep, it's absolutely criminal. 
Yeah, I agree. And that's why I, I will go back to, you know, my back, I had 22 years in, in uh, corporate finance, an audit background, looking at manufacturing processes to, and, and building them so that they were able to be tied out and legitimized from an audit perspective from beginning to end. And it, it parallels well with the voting process in that, you know, the, a, a process it has the most opportunity for bleeding at the ends, beginning and the end. In the middle, can there be some mistakes made? Sure. But they, those things usually either wash each other out, get, get uh, cleaned up or whatever. In the case of voting, the, the far greater opportunity is at the beginning, you know, and it's introducing ballots to the process. And once they make it into the process, if they're not legitimate, which I think we all believe there's a lot of absentee ballots that were introduced into the process, and especially in the swing states that were not legitimate, once they're in there, you don't need a, a Dominion machine to flip a vote. You don't need someone to, you know, change out a ballot or do anything. It's already there. And now, do I believe that they're online? Do I believe that they're reporting the news to somewhere so that they know that they have to take a van in the night to the TCF center? Yes, I do. But the vast majority of it, I believe, is introduced through, as you said, ballot harvesting um, and other means to introduce uh, false or fraudulent ballots to the process. So the question is, to your point, how do we prove it and, or, or how do we catch them? And so that's one angle to take. But the other angle, again, is the QVF, because if we clean up the QVF and we don't have six, seven, eight hundred thousand, uh, you know, illegitimate voters or names on that QVF, we take away the headroom to cheat. And I don't think we need to hide the fact that we need that QVF cleaned up. I think we need to be loud, be bold about it, demand it. We are simply demanding a valid process. When yes. I worked in corporate America, we would hire an audit firm to come audit us and make sure that our processes were valid so that we were, you know, protecting ourselves legally uh, and as well protecting ourselves from process breakdowns that would open ourselves up to fraud, whether internally or externally. We wanted legitimate processes. We should want the same thing for the most sacred right that we have as Americans, which is to vote. And sure. I, I have no problem getting loud about the fact, including to, to Nestle and Benson and Whitmer, that we demand a valid QVF across the state of Michigan. And if they're going to try to cheat, they at least should have to try to cheat with, with real voters and not fake ones. Well, you know, when, that's another thing. When I was a state rep, I tried to prevent illegals from getting driver's license. Barack Obama just came out recently and celebrated Pennsylvania's new law, which automatically gives them a registration to vote when they get their driver's license. And, of course, they're giving driver's license to illegals. So what does that mean? That means illegals are voting. Who are they going to vote for? They're going to vote for whoever gives them something for nothing. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. So here's a good, another good example of Barack Obama celebrating that. You can bet it's the wrong thing to do, but that's what Pennsylvania has done. So you get a driver's license, you're automatically registered to vote. That's crazy. Should never happen in the state of Michigan. Right. Yeah, the, the test should be, are you a citizen or not? Right. Or you can go, exactly. to, or you go to Illinois, and then they're making um, minorities that are undocumented policemen. So now you're going to have somebody that's not a citizen <laughs> arrest you. <laughs> As you That's created Chicago. a traffic Chicago violation. Mayor. That is ridiculous. Chicago mm -hmm. mayor wanted to hire illegal. Yeah, it's unreal. 
And then uh, DeSantis said, uh, tell you what, cops, you come on down to Florida. I'll give you a $5,000 bonus, and you can work for me, and you won't have to deal with that garbage. And the they're coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, ridiculous. So going back to 24, where do you see us in your purview in, in the elections in 24? Do you think we have a chance? When you say we are talking nationally or the state of Michigan? The state of Michigan. Because obviously we have stabbing out, we got to replace. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think the state U.S. I think the U.S. Senate will go with the presidency. It mm-hmm. pretty much goes hand in hand every every single election. I agree. Yeah, I think. Well, oh, go ahead, Dave. The uh, uh, what I want to say is nationally, I want to get on that a little bit. Nationally, I think what you're going to see, and you can quote me on this, uh, Biden's not going to be their final person. You watch when they have their big, uh, their meeting, uh, I think you're going to sp- find somebody like Michelle Obama is going to come up there, and that would allow Barack Obama to have his uh, fourth and fifth term, if you will. Mm-hmm. He's basically running, running Biden now. And I also think uh, they're going to run on the term choice. I mean, I can't tell you, we sat down uh, at a meeting, and we were talking to this guy at a wedding, and uh, he said he was a Democrat. And I said, well, why? He said, well, I'm voting Democrat for one reason, choice. And uh, Byron Benai, my that's my wife, we were talking to him about that. And I thought, that's great. The woman's got a choice whether she pulls her pants down or not. And the child has no choice because you kill them. <laughs> and that's 65 million kids we've killed already. Yeah. Now think about that, folks. How can God not judge America for killing 65 yep. million babies in the womb? Amen. That's yep. got to be stopped, and uh, that's why the churches need to get involved. And if the churches want to say that that's they believe in choice, that's not a church. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I also mm-hmm. like to remind people of our Ninth and Tenth Amendments, which limit the federal government to exactly those uh, items yes. enumerated to them in the Constitution. Exactly. And there are very few, and we've allowed yep. that to flip on its head. So yep. it, there's a balance to this. I totally agree with what you're saying. Of course, uh, I am absolutely pro-life from conception to natural death. And at the same time, I think the federal government should butt out. I think there's yep. so much that the federal government has engaged in and taken over. And we, the people, have allowed them really for, you know, 115, 120, 130 years that, that they've engaged in. And they really actually have no right to be there. The, the, uh, most exactly. of these issues are states' issues at most. Yes. And you hit it on the head. You hit it on the head, Joel, because anything that's spe- not specifically enumerated for the federal government is the state's job. Mm-hmm. Yet the states have given up some of those things and let the federal government take them over. There's right. the problem. Right. Yeah, especially on the moral issues. All the moral yep. issues, those are not enumerated to the federal government. Not, a, not one of them. So the states should be handling those. And, you know, the Supreme Court decision last summer to overturn Roe v. Wade, turn it back to the states, that is actually constitutionally correct. Now, you know, you have a state like Oklahoma, Tennessee, doing a phenomenal job with that. And here in Michigan, we've gone the other way. Um, At the conference this weekend, someone quoted that we have gone in one year from being the third strongest state in the union on the abortion issue to being literally dead last. Yeah. That's, because the Democrats, a, what they voted because they had the majority. Correct. Yep. Yeah. The, the very slim majority. Yeah. Hmm. So, 
Um, if I can go back well, real quick, I mentioned a while ago. I just want to read this. This, you know, going back to Mackinac, just because that's what's been on my my brain till like one to four in the morning. So much the the last last two months. Um, it, it's a lot of work to put an event like that on, and there were no a lot of a lot of people saying it wasn't going to happen. It was going to fail. Right. And now you have people, you know, Brian, you mentioned the free press uh, article. Yeah. Only 1,000 or 1,100 yeah. out of normally 3,000 or whatever they'll, they'll say. Yeah, yeah. In 2021, they had about 1,200 registered. Oh, okay. We had between 1,000 and 1,100. And, you know, I'm not going to ever have exact numbers on this, but very conservatively, I will tell you that at minimum half, you know, of that, that audience, 500, 600 people, that was their first time. Uh, oh, well. ever at this event. I'm one of them. So uh, this is from one of our sponsors. And he says, for what it's worth, I rode the Shepler shuttle back to my car with a couple from Antrim County. They said they were there in 2017 and 2019. And this was, this one was the best hands down. So yes, God helps those who help themselves. I'm sure we'll see each other again soon. And he was responding to me talking about how this thing at the end of the day, uh, to be, to God be the glory that that this yeah. conference happened and went so well, um, because it it certainly yes there was a lot of good people that stepped up at different uh, stages along the way and put a lot of effort in. But that's awesome. Um, but it was it, it, it's ultimately to Him be the glory. So yeah, well, a good. lot of a lot of work going on and a lot of work to go. And Brian, you're on stake. Yeah, I know. Dave, you've been there, you know, many times before and. Um, but, you know, I, I think if we focus on the mission, we start ignoring the detractors because the numbers are there in, in our favor. And by our favor, mm-hmm. I mean constitutional conservatism. Sure. And we, we, there's a few things that we can do uh, to advance the mission and accomplish, you know, the things we've talked about tonight. Um, if we can stay focused and... You know, for those that want to engage and have meaningful discussions, have some vibrant debates and come out of it, you know, like like brothers and sisters with arm mm-hmm. length and and let's plow forward and, and win, you know, frankly, for our children, our grandchildren. Um, I think that there's some specific things that we can do, some of which we've talked tonight about tonight, some we haven't. But there's there's some things that we have coming that give us that chance. And then just like Mackinac, at the end of the day, the answer is going to be to God be the glory. Good. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I agree. I think that's all the time we got tonight, Dave. All right. Again, as always, well, appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on, Joel. Yep. Appreciate we appreciate you, Joel. And uh, keep up the me. good work. And Dave, next we'll talk to you next week. Back, next week, when you come back on, I'm going to have you the world scenario in order again, along with uh, all the people that are getting killed by Muslims. All right. So you're going to enjoy that one. Sounds good. Appreciate it, Dave. All right. Have a good day. See you. See you. You are listening to the Patriots Voice of Michigan. God bless.